Good morning. We're going to be in the book of Mark. If you'd grab a Bible and uh, turn there with me, I'd appreciate that. Mark chapter 12. It's one of those times that we're not in the middle of a series, or not starting a series, or not ending a series, and uh, one of the things we tried to do was kind of fill in with some uh, some parables as we go in between series, and, and today uh, we're just doing something totally different, what uh, God kind of was speaking to me about this week, and, and uh, one of the things, it's kind of a recurring theme, it comes off of last week as well, you know, we talked about uh, child dedications, we had child dedications next week, or last week, and, we, and when we did that on Mother's Day, uh, we talked more about the fact that it's, it's a dedication of the parents, right? We're, we're saying the parents are being commissioned to dedicate themselves and their lives to their children. Uh, the children just look cute up here, and the parents are the ones that are really being, ma- making a covenant, right? And then you and I, as the, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, we covenant together as well to dedicate ourselves to the parents and to those children uh, as needed, and, uh, and however God would use us. But one of the things I talked about last week during that message was the, the fact that we have to model that. We have to model joy and hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that should be a model that we, we live everywhere we go. And, and, and there's, there, we have to be careful uh, if we don't model that. What happens is uh, there's a stuffy religion that's modeled instead, right? That, that's the, that's the, the warning, the caution. We either say, you know what, I'm filled with joy and hope and, and, and praise to Jesus for what he's done, and I'm so excited to be his child and for, to be loved by him and, and that he's given me the grace and forgiveness. Or we say, yeah, well, I know that I've got that, but now I'm going to try to just live, live really, really, you know, specifically in how he wants me to live and just, just obey. I'm just going to obey. Now, in obedience, he wants us to obey. But we ought to obey, and we talked about it last week, out of the, a response from our heart of what Christ has done for us. Amen? There should be a response from our heart. And, and that response should look like joy and excitement. I, I've met with some folks the last couple of weeks and talked about just some, some anxiety and some nervousness, right? And, and the idea of just being able to say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into whatever is next in my life wide-eyed, full of joy, because I have faith in God. Because I have faith in what He's done for me and what He's going to continue to do in and through me. I don't have to be nervous and worried about what's around the next corner because God's got my back. And, and I want to model that joy and model that, that peace that God can give because of the joy and because of faith in the hope in Christ. So if we don't have that, if we don't have that joy, it, it kind of feels a little stuffy. It feels a little bit mundane. It feels a little pretentious. And, and today, as, I, I, as we're going to read this passage in Mark 12, and as I've looked at that this week, uh, it, it really seems like Jesus tried his best at, at every corner to counter any time, type of stuffy religion. And what's interesting about this passage, and, and this week I've got to admit, my mind was blown as I read this passage because I read it in, in context instead of just reading it for you know, what we always read it for. And, and part of this, uh, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44, um, if, we, if you look at 41 to 44, that we, it's kind of a, it's a separate section in your Bible, it's a separate heading in your Bible, but it's sandwiched in between a whole different context than what we normally would see it in this is this is that little little story about the widow who gave you know the two mites everything she had right and and we we use that we teach our kids how to be good stewards and how to be generous and we ought to be generous and and but it's it's probably usually taken out of context and we see it in a different context today and, and today what we're going to be looking at and is is the warnings that jesus has against legalism against pretentious stuffy religion that's what we're going to look at today and, and and here for you and i the application today we'll start with that and we'll end with that there's really kind of two areas for that. One is that you and I ought to be on guard and watchful for that around us. I don't want to, to be taught by pretentious, stuffy, religious people. 
I don't want to grab that stuff. I don't want to put that stuff in my mind and my heart. I don't want to go there, right? I don't want to have that. So we're, we're keeping watch. We're watchful. And, and Scripture tells us to watch out for false teachers, and we'll see that in a minute. The other side of that is this, that you and I ought to be careful ought not to become that way, where we become the stuffy, pretentious people that look down on others because they don't have it all together yet. And so Jesus has this warning for the religious elite who, who are actually wolves, devouring people. And, and he has this warning for you and I that might just be ignorant sometimes and fall into this stuffiness and pretentious attitude that we need to, we need to shape up and watch out. He has a warning against legalism. So we're going to look at that today. Um, and, and I want to I want to mention that again that some some here that he's warning against, and even some in the in the Pharisees and the scribes, some were actual wolves. They had it in their mind, in their heart, set on taking advantage of people and, and getting more power. That's just what they wanted to do. They saw a system that they could come into, not caring at all about God, but caring about power and and getting more power. That's what they wanted. They were wolves. But there were some. You think a few weeks ago we talked about Nicodemus, right? And when Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked him questions and wanted to know about being born again, that there were some that were in this religious elite that were, they, they were genuine, as genuine as they could be in that kind of a system, and, but they were probably just ignorant to what they were doing and what their, what their teaching was perpetuating. So there's kind of two kind of categories that we're looking at. Where there's two, two points of application, right? Watch out for wolves and don't be ignorant. That's kind of the same thing Jesus is going to be talking about today and he was constantly Jesus was constantly speaking about life and hope and joy and against a false religious system and that life and hope and joy he said was found in him that he brings life that he brings joy that he brings hope that he is the treasure that we seek and that treasure should bring us happiness and joy not stuffy religion so it's a warning for you and I as well let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into our text okay father thank you so much for your grace and your love we thank you that you've given us your word and that, God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That, God, it is living and active and it will, it will challenge us and change us. So we ask that you give us insight today, that our hearts would be open to receive your word and your message, that our ears would, would hear, God, our eyes would see, they would see you and what you want to do in us. God, we invite the Holy Spirit to challenge us and convict us, to bring us to our knees and humble us, before the God and the joy of our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 12, we're going to be beginning in verse 38 and going through 44. This is read in context now. Okay. He also said this in his teaching. Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues, the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive a harsher judgment. And sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow put in more than to the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their surplus... But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, let's, let's talk about that. I, and before we get started here, I don't want you to think I'm questioning her generosity, the widow. Because we, we look at this, say, this widow, this, we've grown up knowing this story, and this widow's amazing. And look at what she gave, look what she sacrificed. She gave everything. I'm not gonna, I'm, we're not here to question that. There's, what I feel about this passage is there's no commendation 
Like, way, way to go, and no condemnation. Like, uh, uh, towards the rich people who gave or towards the widow. We don't hear that at all in this text. We don't see that at all. Jesus doesn't make mention of that at all. We do see a condemnation against the scribes and the Pharisees, right? That's where we see a condemnation. That's who Jesus is talking about here. So we're going to be looking at these warnings against legalism, against this religious, stuffy, pretentious stuff, right? Those warnings. So number one, first warning is this. Beware of false teachers. Beware of false teaching. Let's look at verse 38. It says, He also said in this teaching, Beware of the scribes. And, and, and all throughout Scripture, the New Testament is littered with Jesus confronting the scribes, confronting the Pharisees, saying, What are you doing? Woe to you. You are, you are basically, he said, you are dead meat for what you're doing. You are in big trouble. I want to just give a list of some of the areas, some of the ways that Jesus described them. Here's what he, here's what he says. Uh, scripture says that false teachers are disguised as servants of righteousness, right? They're liars. They disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, but they are not that. They're blind men who know nothing. That's how Jesus described them later. They're reckless and treacherous. You see, in those two words, it's great. We have the two kind of categories. Reckless would be the ones maybe that are a little ignorant. They're just recklessly following like behind these other guys. But the treacherous ones, that shows motive, doesn't it? That shows there, there's motive behind these men to, to take advantage and lord it over people. And Jesus was confronting that. He, he calls them ravenous wolves in places. He says they're whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but what? You're dead on the inside. He calls them snakes or a den of snakes. He says that they're slaves to their own appetite. We'll actually read that verse a little later. They're slaves to their own appetite. They're enemies of the cross, and they're servants of Satan. Listen, that does not sound like the camp I want to be in. How about you? I, I don't want to be there, I, and, and I certainly don't want to look to that camp as our guide. Say, oh yeah, well, let's follow them. And, we, and, and, you know, the New, the New Testament church and, the, and the, the church since Jesus' time has grown out of that, but we see a lot of inklings of that, don't we, in church history. A lot of power and prestige, a lot of honor, call me this, call me that, bow before me, pay this, get a blessing. That is not what Jesus has set up. Jesus has set himself up as the supreme blessing, as the supreme reward, that our joy and hope would be in Christ, not in something we accomplish on our own, we never can. That's, that's the power of the gospel. That's what we're looking for. So, so we see that, and we see it trickle down, and it kind of gets into our churches, and we start to kind of get stuffy again. We have to come back to the joy of our salvation. We don't want to look like a servant of Satan, or at least be reckless, right, at the least. And there's a harsh judgment to be had for their actions, right? You and I are responsible for what we share and what we teach, you and I are responsible for what we share and what we teach. And again, because what does, what does your life and what does my life say about the gospel? We have to ask that question about our, our own hearts and our own lives. What does our life say about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does it say it's stuffy and full of works and I need to work, work it out and earn it? Does it say I have so much hope and so much joy from Jesus that he is my everything all the time? What, is, what does our life say about the gospel? So there is, a, there is a strict punishment. There's, there's harsh judgment on these folks. And uh, the book of Galatians, we, which we studied last year, says this in Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Paul's writing to the, the church in Galatia and saying, listen, stop, stop paying attention to these false religious teachers. And he says, but even I, if, if we, Paul, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, 
a curse be on them. And it wasn't just like curse, like let them have a bad day or have, you know, bad gas. It wasn't that kind of curse. This curse was let them be damned to hell. That's how important this is. That's how drastic. And it wasn't just, he, he wasn't just talking about the false teachers, the Judaizers here. He said, if we or an angel from heaven, if someone else, even if they said, said, showed the gospel first and it was joy and they came to you and shared a different gospel, let them be cursed. Because that is not the gospel. There is a harsh judgment on them. Again, he says in 9, As I have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Paul, Paul in that same passage is saying, listen, it, they're trying to bring you the gospel, the good news, but it's not. It's really not the good news at all. It can't even be called the gospel. The gospel is good news, and, and it's good news of what? Of great joy for us. That Christ is our Savior. So you and I ought to live that way. Our lives should reflect that. And, and when they don't, or if false teachers come along and, and present a different gospel, they are cursed. There is judgment on them. And I, I don't want us to get to that place where we follow behind that and where there's judgment on us too. So again, what does your life say about the gospel? You know, yesterday we had a men's breakfast and uh, we, we've been going through a series called Desiring God from John Piper. And, and it's a video series. It's on the Right Now Media if you want to check that out. Uh, really, really great stuff. But, but the idea of this is, what are we actually trying to give away? That was the, the, one of the questions yesterday. Like John Piper said, if, if, if we are just ho-hum and mundane and we're religious and stuffy, we have, to, we have to ask ourselves, what are we trying to give away? Are we trying to give away some kind of bummer? Are we trying to give away some kind of a, a, a works-based righteousness? Like, hey, you've got to earn it, you've got to work really hard, this is going to be ho- really, really horrible. That's not what we're trying to give away, is it? We're trying to give away the good news of great joy. And if we believed it, we should have that great joy inside of us that motivates us beyond legalism. There are strong warnings against false teachers because false teachers lead, to, lead people into extreme disasters in their life. Voids where there, are, there is no joy. It's, it's heavy burdens that they place on people's shoulders. And many are led away from the truth of God's word because of false teaching. So you and I have to ask, what are our lives saying about the gospel? Is it stuffy and pretentious, or is it joyous and exciting? Is it wonderful to be known by Jesus and to know him? Number two, next warning against legalism legalism is this, beware of works-based righteousness. So we want to be, beware of false teachers who are coming to devour and take advantage, right? But beware of works-based righteousness. That's the next thing. Anytime, and, and it's so easy for us to do this. It's so easy, especially as Americans. We earn our way. We earn our keep. We get a paycheck. We, we have what we have because we worked really hard. We put work ethics into our children, or at least we try to, right, or should. But, but we get to that place where we become these people who say, if, if I didn't work for it, I shouldn't get it. Now, that's fine in your paycheck, that's fine in, you know, your promotion. But when it comes to the grace of God and a righteousness that is only from Christ, it is absolutely unearned. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn that. We will never do anything that we could say before God and say, here, God, look what I've done for you. Look how amazing I am. Surely you must have to accept me. And he's like, I, do you, are you, do you, I'm talking, you're talking to God here? I'm, I'm the God of the universe I have everything I need. I don't need anything from you. How dare you try to bring me something and pretend that you can offer me something? God, all the while, has said, 
when you couldn't earn it, I could for you. I could accomplish what you couldn't accomplish. Why? Because I actually am God, is what he says. So he gives us this grace and this, this forgiveness that's offered through Christ and him crucified and risen from the, from the dead. That we could have life and real life and abundant life and abundant joy because we actually have something that we didn't earn and didn't have to earn and don't have to maintain. It's a gift from God. By grace you are saved, not by works. So we have to beware of works-based righteousness. Let's look at our text again, uh, chapter 12, verses 38 and 39. He said this in his teaching, Beware of the scribes, we said that a minute ago, right? Who want to go around in long robes and want, to, want, want greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. See, they want this prestige. And, and here's what happens. They want prestige because they want to feel like they've accomplished something. That's one. But more than that, they want to be able to say to you and me, Look at me, and when you look at me, look at you and understand that you're not what? Good enough. You're not good enough. You're not as good as me. I have toddlers, right? I have little kids. I guess my daughter's, daughter's not a toddler anymore. She's a small child. Nah, 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 nah. That's going around my house a little bit right now. And that's not the context, right? That's not the tone. It's nah, 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 nah. That's what it is, right? And my kids have gotten really good at it. I don't even know where they get it from. I don't even know where they've heard this before. But they're getting good at whispering it to each other. Na, 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 na. Like, 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 mom likes me more than you. They let me do this, and you can't do that. Oh, man. Yesterday, we had a great time with that. One kid got a privilege, and, and it was just one of these, like, it's your turn. You get to do that. And we go away to get ready. <laughs> the other one comes in. They said, na, 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 na to me. I'm like, oh, Okay. Well, it's not your turn anymore. Now it's your turn. And then we go away, and that one says it to the other one. No, no, no. Okay, it's none of your turns. It's daddy's turn. It's, you know, we want to do that. We want to one-up somebody else so that someone else looks bad. And that's what this false religious stuffiness, this pretentious stuff does. It looks at everybody else and says, no, 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 no. I look better than you. You should have it all together. And, man, how friendly and warm and inviting is that? That's wonderful, isn't it? And, and, and listen, our body language can communicate that. We don't have to do that as, as children and just say it, actually. Our body language can communicate that to people. It's so important, even as a gathering of a body of Christ here, if someone comes in that's not, we, wanna, we don't want to na 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 them, right? And judge them, say, oh, look, oh, you, yeah, you don't got it all together. You're, you're dirty, or you're, you know, your kids are rowdy. Or, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to meet humbly together as the body of Christ, people forgiven by Jesus with his righteousness, not a righteousness that we earned. And we want to, let other people know that they can have his righteousness too. That's what this is about. But that was not going on here. These folks were, were dressing up and wanting more honor, and they were letting everyone know, you are not as good as me. And they were putting heavy burdens on people. Matthew 23, 4 says this. The scribes, they say, they, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry, and they put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to do this again we we do this too with our superior attitude look at how far i've come look at how well i've got this all together if we would just get over ourselves and, and go and say you know jesus has done that in my life his spirit is guiding me and his spirit is growing me but how dare i forget from where i've come i should be able to be humble still and react and interact with people 
that still need Jesus like I did. But I should not tie up heavy loads and put this big pack on their shoulders and say, here's what you got to do. Try it. See if you can do it. See if you can do it as good as me. That's not what we do. Jesus was against that. Jesus actually said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you a really heavy backpack. That's not what he said, did he? That's not what Jesus teaches. That's what the Pharisees are saying. Come to me, but if you want to come to me, look, look at me first. Look how great I am. And here's the burden you need to carry in order to get to this place. You'll get there one day, maybe. Jesus is not saying that at all. He says, come to me, you are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. Because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That's what Jesus wants to give. He wants, to, wants us to know the joy of his salvation. So the burden that we carry will not be our own anymore. It will be what he asks us to do. And that burden on our shoulders is no longer ours to carry. It's his, and it's he's carrying it. And he carried it to the cross. He was nailed there, and he, he died and went into the grave. And guess what? He was strong enough, even with that burden on his shoulders, to rise victoriously from dead. He has victory over those burdens. We don't tie them up on people's shoulders and weigh them down. Matthew 5, Jesus says this, 520, he says, For I tell you, unless your, and he's talking to people, Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness, right? Again, this idea of being right before God, and, and which, which the Pharisees thought they were, right and before God, righteous. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So there were these Pharisees and scribes. Understand this setting. It can be taken two different ways. Like, wow, I could never, ever do that. See you later, Jesus. I'm out of here. Or you can look at the Pharisees and scribes saying they think they're righteous. And that's not what righteousness is at all. And what Jesus did in this moment when he said, unless your righteousness surpasses, here's what he did. To the Pharisees, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and scribes' righteousness, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, what he's saying is theirs isn't righteousness at all. Don't go that route because if you, can't, if you go that route, you're going to end up where they're going to end up, separated from God forever. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those heavy loads of expectation and works can never be carried and can never fully save. Only God can fully save. So we come to him with our heavy load and place it at his feet. Say, God, I, I'm nothing. I've got nothing. I need you and you're my everything. Please carry this load. I know you carried the load already on the cross. I know you've done it for me. I have faith in that. I trust in your salvation. That's when he can save. That's when he is mighty to save. So beware of works-based righteousness. We don't earn it. He did it all. He finished it. Number three, the warning against legalism is this. Beware of dishonest gain. Beware of dishonest gain. Now, this isn't just up, up and watching around. This is what? Introspectively looking at our own hearts. Look at verses 39 and 40. Right? They look for the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. What do they want? The best seats. They wanted honor going on. What else do they do in verse 40? They, what? Devour widows' houses. Dishonest gain. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for what? Show. To show off. To show how eloquent and how righteous they are. And they aren't righteous at all. He goes on, he says, these will receive harsher judgment. 
They're taking advantage of people. So this is the context by which we see this next part of the passage in a minute, right? When we see the, the offering given by the rich people and the offering given by the poor, we're going to see this context uh, of this dishonest gain. We, legalism, legalism looks for rewards, by the way, in this life. Right? When we talk about legalism and this stuffy, pretentious stuff, it's looking for rewards in this life. Dishonest gain. The Pharisees, the scribes, they wanted honor now. They wanted reward now. They wanted power now. They wanted money now. Legalism looks for reward in this life, while grace promises hope and an eternal reward. God says, I've, I've got your back forever. Yeah, you might get pleasure or money or something here, status, if you want to go that route for a little while but that will not last. That will be ripped away, and then you'll be judged for that. Or we could let Christ be the judge for your sin, and we put our sin on him, and the reward we are going to receive is because Jesus has prepared a place for us, and that there's a hope in him alone. <clears throat> this reward, this, this dishonest gain, the money, the power, that's all they are going to get. Basically saying, enjoy it while you can. It's not going to last forever. So we have to watch out for them. What else does the scripture say about them? Well, turn with me to Romans. Keep your finger here, but turn with me to the book of Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. And uh, chapter 16. <clears throat> we, we made reference to this, uh, a little bit of this verse a little while ago when we talked about how Jesus was describing these Pharisees and scribes. So Romans chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 17 and 18 together. Paul is writing to the, uh, the Romans there, and here's what he says. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learn. See that? Isn't that beautiful? He's like, watch out. There's divisions created, like I'm better than you, you're not as good as me, we're definitely in a different class, and obstacles. You got to jump through my hoops in order to get to a place that you think is honor or righteousness, right? So watch out for those people. They're teaching things contrary to what you have learned. Avoid them, because such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but they serve what? Their own appetites. People who are putting up stuffy, pretentious religion, I'm holier than you, you better shape up and jump through the hoops or else. What, they are, what it's saying about them is they are serving their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. Well, sure, they, they want to maintain their status. They want to maintain their respect and their, their honor. But Jesus says they have none. They're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They're only serving their own appetites, what they can benefit, what they can gain. And listen, we don't need or want this legalistic religious system. God has addressed and met what we are really hungry for. It's Him. It's His righteousness. It's His peace. It's His perfection is what he accomplished and finished on the cross. And that's what we're really hungry, hungry for. Because even the Pharisees and scribes still aspired to have more. Even the Pharisees and the scribes tried to look better. They didn't have a complete righteousness. They didn't have it all worked out. They even had a burden on their shoulders to do more, go farther, run faster. And they were lording it over all the while on the people below. See, that can never fulfill. That kind of system of religious stuffiness can never really fulfill. But Jesus can. I want to read a verse to you out of 2 Corinthians 1, 24. And, um, 
really, really neat. This was shared yesterday at the men's breakfast as well. So I threw this into the sermon. Paul is, is writing to the Corinthians, and, and Paul, is, Paul has been disciplining the Corinthians. He's been letting them know that they've gone a little bit astray and that they need to kind of shape up, and, and this is not how Christ followers behave. And even Jesus is saying that to the Pharisees, right? He's saying, this is not how people who have joy and hope in me behave. Get over yourselves, right? And, and Paul is doing that as well to, to so-called Christians, people who are Christians, who are kind of getting it wrong and not, not leaving a very good taste in the people's mouths around Here's what he says. He says, I don't mean to lord it over your faith. He's like, I'm not trying to boss you around. I'm not trying to push you around. I'm not trying to, to have, like, flaunt my ego here. Right? That's really important from a leader, right, to be humble and gentle. I'm not trying to lord it over you. I just want to help d- disciple you and discipline you. He says, but we, the disciples, those working with Paul, are workers with you for your joy. You see, if we... The counteracting, the counter against stuffy pretension is a life embracing Christ full of joy and remembering that joy and be reminded of that joy. So if we are to work, you know, and, and as we obey, if we are to work and help each other, what we are to be workers in is workers with each other for our joy. That you and I should be reminding each other of the joy we have in Christ every single day, every opportunity we get. We have this huge joy in Christ that we receive because he has done all the work. And there's no, no baggage or burden on our shoulders anymore because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you and I must be reminded of that day in and day out. That, that yes, it, we might get a little bit of a jab in because we are workers for your joy. I want you to be reminded about your joy. I want you to obey God from your heart. Don't set up a stuffiness about you and your religion. but Enjoy Jesus and work hard for your joy, because you stand firm in your faith. And, so, and, and Paul is saying, like, listen, faith is there, and we have, we have faith in Christ, and that faith in Christ should bring joy, so we are going to work really hard, not to lord it over each other, not to boss each other around, not to say nah, 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 but we are going to really work hard at helping each other have and know and, and express the joy that's found in, through faith in Christ. Paul never abused his authority to gain prestige, or power, or to further his own selfish aims. His goal was that other believers would know the joy of Christ and make that joy known. Number four, final point today. Final warning in this legalistic system. Beware of leading people astray. This is so important. We talked about child dedications and and parents being dedicated to their children and modeling joy and modeling the gospel at every turn, modeling the hope in Christ. If we do not do that, we are leading people to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Beware of leading people astray. So do we have the context now? We have the context of this passage. Jesus says, beware of the scribes, these false teachers who want honor and fame and fortune, who want to lord it over other people, who want to say, you're not as good as me. Who want to take advantage of any situation they can for their own gain. That's what Jesus had just said, yes? Now let's go into our next passage, next text. 41, so sitting across, with this in mind, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Again, there's no commendation, there's no condemnation or commendation, right? He's, he's watching. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than the others. For they gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, 
has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I don't think Jesus is teaching about the widow or the rich people here. Jesus is angry about the system, this religious system that is set up to take advantage of people. Can we agree on that? We, we won't judge the heart of the widow because I think there's absolutely time where you and I, we should be generous givers, right? Not giving under compulsion though. And, and I think, I think in, this, in this case, in a lot of cases today, you know, it, it, people are taken advantage of. Good people are taken advantage of. People that, whose hearts are set on loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength are being taken advantage of. We have telemarketers call us, and most of us are pretty, pretty resilient, like, oh, this is lame, see ya. No, don't, you don't have my social security number. No, it's not in jeopardy. No, you, I don't need to reset my credit card. No, I don't need to give you all of my details. Right? We know that. We hang up. But there are some widows that don't. There are some widowers that don't. There's an older generation that's being taken advantage of by people who are scheming. We even have tele-evangelists, don't we? Send money today. Send this much money and God is going to give you a what? A healing or a blessing or something. If you just give to our ministry, make sure the more you send, the bigger the blessing you're going to get. And people who have hearts for God and desire God and desire God in their lives are what they're writing checks that their bank accounts can't cash. They're taking what God has given them and throwing it away to someone scheming for dishonest gain. Judging the heart is not what we're doing. We're looking at this dishonest gain. People are being led astray by false, stuffy, pretentious religion, by legalism. They're being taken advantage of. So Jesus is deeply grieved to see people sacrificing their money to a wretched and corrupt system of false religion. And they do it under the misguided thought that in doing so, they're going to receive some kind of blessing because they've been told that. In fact, in this system and, and his, historically, what, what they're teaching is you, you can buy blessings. You can buy blessings. It's, it's basically buy the blessings. Now, what did Jesus do? He went in the temple and what? He cleared out the temple of the money changers, right? He, he flipped over tables and got a whip out and started whipping people out of the house of prayer, the house of God, because they set it up into a place that took advantage of people. Oh, your, your sacrifice isn't quite good enough. But we have one today for the low, low price of $9.99. But wait. Today only, if, if you want to get two, we'll triple the price. Th that's what was happening. That happens today as well. The Pharisees and scribes of the day demanded that widows give money to purchase God's blessing. So systems like that are corrupt and lead people astray. So we're not here to question the heart of the widow. We should be questioning the heart of the scribes. And we should always be questioning our hearts. Does, does the way that we give say that our hope is in Jesus? Or does the way that we give say, I'm hoping to buy a blessing? Does what we model in that and in how we live lead people to hope in Christ? or just lead people to a false, pretentious religion. This legalistic religious system had literally taken this widow's very last cent. She had nothing else to live on. She had become a victim. And sometimes we don't think that. We think that, you know, this all revolves around me. My own heart, my own desires, and 
if I leave, live kind of legalistically, well, so be it. But we are setting an example for others. And people that are watching what it is to be a Christ follower are going to follow our example. Are we leading them astray? Or are we leading them to Jesus? James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. It's not to take advantage of widows. There should have been a a pot in the treasury for widows to go to and say, I, I, need, I need a little more money for food. Here you go. I need, I, I'm short this month, or I, I had a, the water faucet broke, or the car broke down. I need, I need some help. We do that, by the way. We have a fund that is set up in our church. It's, uh, it's church families in need. It's not just widows, but church families in need. And when there's a need, when you can't make ends meet, we don't expect you to put your money in the plate. We expect you to come and say, hey, we have a need. And the body, you and I, meet that need. And you guys have done good at that. Matthew 23, 13 to 15 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That doesn't sound like a very good thing. For you don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one convert. And when he becomes one, listen, that one convert you make, when he becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. Stuffy, pretentious religion, legalism, leads people astray. It leads people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope and joy we have in him and in Christ alone. Now, listen, most of us here are not teaching false doctrine. Most of us here aren't like, I'm, I'm a wolf out to devour. I'm a wolf to take advantage. And in fact, I hope none of you are, right? I hope that's none of us here today. But you and I still have to understand that there's sometimes a lack of true joy and delight in Christ as our treasure. And that is modeling something as well. That's modeling this stuffiness as well. We may not be wanting to take advantage of and trying to take advantage of, but we can still model this pretentious, stuffy system. And we're conveying that Christianity is then mundane, right? And it's to be followed instead of a relationship to be had with Jesus. And a hope and a joy that will come from that relationship as we trust Christ in faith. That's what we're to model. This joy of a relationship with Jesus. And, and when, we, when we model that, we aren't modeling us, are we? We're modeling Jesus. That's why we must continually point people to Christ. Well, last passage. Let's just go there. A lot of this has been pretty tough stuff. John, go to John chapter 14. It's been pretty tough, pretty deep stuff. We kind of, it's heavy, right? I want us just to go back to this joy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. It's not our way or the highway. It's not, no, 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 no. You're not good enough. We don't want to be pretentious about that. Here's what John 14, 6 says. What Jesus says. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our lives should model Christ. They should model humility. They should model joy and hope found in Jesus and in his righteousness and what he's accomplished on the cross for us. And yes, that means obedience, but our obedience models Jesus and his righteousness our obedience is not meant to be a checklist of stuffy, false religious doctrines that we make people follow and then lead them astray. We've got to watch out for that as well in our own lives. 
we should pray and say this, but restore unto me what? The joy of our salvation. Renew a steadfast, willing spirit inside of me. That's what we ought to have. So as Jesus warns against legalism, you and I should embrace him all the more as Savior and Lord, the one who brings hope and joy. Amen? All right, let's stand together and pray. Father, we're so grateful that you, you have given us your word and you've given us instruction of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. God, it's not that we follow all of these rules and, and obey perfectly. God, it's in fact the opposite of that. We, we can't, and because we can't, we know that you did. And the sacrifice you made on the cross for us was enough, and you finished the work that was necessary, that when we have faith in you, we trust in you, we believe in you, we are given a righteousness that was never ours, and we thank you for that righteousness. We thank you for that purity, that when we stand before God, we don't, we don't see ourselves, and he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. So God, help us live in response to that. Let us model that with our lives. Let us not model a religious system but model a vibrant relationship filled with hope and joy in Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.